Welcome, everybody. It is Thursday night. It's 8 o'clock, at least 8 o'clock Central Time, which we all know is the only time zone that matters. And uh, it's time for another Get Off My Lawn podcast. We have missed a couple weeks in a row due to uh, some NFOA things. Two weeks ago, I had the live stream for NFOA because it was the only night that the guests could make it. And that was just to go over the new bill that had been introduced constitutional carry here in nebraska and then last week i didn't get home in time because it was time to go to lincoln the the hearing was last thursday so i went to lincoln i already had the day off it worked out and uh testified at that hearing for constitutional carry and uh, the keynote speaker testifier uh the first one up that day, for those of you that, that weren't aware, Dr. John Lott was in the house. He uh, flew out to Nebraska. Um, he had been the previous day. He had been in Indianapolis testifying. Then he uh, came to Lincoln the next day to testify and brought some cool stats with him. Um, and uh, the NFOA board member who drove him from Omaha over to Lincoln had to leave before the hearing was over. And so uh, we got to uh, give him a ride from Lincoln back over to Omaha, back to his hotel. And so I got to spend almost an hour just sitting and visiting in the in the vehicle with Dr. Lott. Very cool guy. He's forgotten more about stats and, and freedoms than I'm ever going to learn, I know. But uh, that was awesome. So we're not going to get into too much tonight about how that hearing went. I did... Uh, post a link in the comments if it's on if you're on facebook you can see that there in the comments and if you're on youtube i pinned it to the top uh with the link to the the video that i did monday night recapping that so if you want to know how the constitutional carry hearing in nebraska went uh the details that at least the ones that i have i talked about them there we're not gonna revisit that too much tonight um as you can see on the screen my fully semi-official co-host is with us we've got defense dad how are you sir i'm good how about you yeah i am anxious to be back i hate missing a week and then we miss two weeks in a row and i hate doing that so i'm glad that we're back and we've got a fun topic i think tonight it's going to be a good conversation and uh hopefully um hopefully if you're out there listening that uh maybe this applies to you some of this and maybe you know someone who needs to hear this conversation tonight. So hopefully you will mash that share button and uh, hit the thumbs up, the like button. And uh, if you haven't subscribed to the channel or liked us on Facebook, then you should do both of those things. Uh, we would sure appreciate it. So real quick, uh, that's almost all of the announcements. I also want to mention, as always, we are a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network, where you can find all kinds of cool pro-gun and pro-freedom podcasts. So go check that out, sdrn.us. You can find this one and a lot of great shows over there. Polite Society podcast is there, Writing Shotgun with Charlie, um, all kinds of fun stuff. We Even some of our panelists have some stuff going on over there. So, so go check that out. But wait, don't do it right now. You got to watch this show. Uh, if you're out there live, we want you in the comments. So uh drop those comments. And I don't say this every week, but I want to know where you are. Uh, if you're new, especially let us know where you're reporting in from. But even if you're not new, you can sure uh, remind us and you don't have to be exact. Just tell us your town or even your state. That's fine. Uh, but I like to know where the uh, viewers, where the, where the listeners are uh, reporting in from. 
And uh, if you have any comments or questions, please put those in the live chat. That's why this is so much better than uh, than TV or radio, because we actually get to interact with you in real time. So go ahead and take advantage of the live chat. Uh, feel free to direct comments if you want to uh, to any of the panelists uh, specifically or just the panel at large. And, uh, and Defense Dad is going to help me field those because quite often I'm running my mouth and I'm not keeping up with comments and questions. So Defense Dad's going to help uh, keep track of those. And then when when we get a, a chance to interject some comments or some questions, then uh, he's going to put those up on the screen for us. So, all right, one last thing. Uh, we are back with at least one sponsor. So tonight's show is brought to you by Open Country Firearms and Garrett Keel up in Osmond, Nebraska. Garrett's goal with Open Country was to create a great storefront and assist responsible gun owners in new and used purchases, custom orders, transfers, and more. He's always been an advocate for the Second Amendment and thought opening his own gun store would be an excellent way to help shooters get what they want and connect with new people. Call Garrett at 402-841-0970 or visit OpenCountryFirearms.com for some of the best deals on new and used firearms, ammunition, and now suppressors. And let him know that I sent you or that we sent you here on the podcast because uh, I like to let him know that his his sponsorship dollars did not uh, get wasted. So if you're anywhere in Northeast Nebraska uh, or even Central Nebraska, make a trip over to Osmond, get a hold of Garrett. Uh, it's not a, an actual storefront. He's got uh, his his gun store is in the back end of an insurance office because he's a full-time insurance adjuster as well so uh get a hold of him first make sure he's going to be around and uh as long as he's in town he'll come down and open up for you even if it's after hours uh in fact that's probably where i've spent most of my time in there is after hours so just get a hold of him ahead of time there's his phone number right there on the screen all right let's get into this uh we're gonna bring our panelists in and uh let them say hello real quick so First in the room tonight, we've got a newbie, and uh, he's never been on the Get Off My Lawn podcast before, but uh, I got to meet this guy when when I was down in, in Fort Worth for AmCon this fall, and uh, he's a really cool guy, Patrick Collins uh, from The Gun Food, which is currently under construction, but it's an awesome website where you can find ammo at great prices um, and in great quantities sometimes when it's available so uh patrick how you doing doing excellent man thank you for having me on here you bet thanks for coming on and hanging out with us always always a pleasure to get to talk to you all right next up we have got mr rob morse from the self-defense gun stories podcast and the slow facts blog and the polite society podcast and probably a half dozen other places that you can find what rob has to say or or what he writes um i dude you're busier than than uh than anybody that i know i think as far as an author goes on on these websites so thanks for being here my pleasure glad to have you along all right and speaking of authors let's bring in dan wass who is author of the good gun bad guy series what are there three of those now is that right yeah, three. Working on the fourth one right now, but it might take a little while. So. That is awesome. Um, I have read all of them except for those three, so I'm a little behind. <laughs> well, thanks for your support, John. It's, it's, 
it's personal just so you know it's not i'm sure the books are great but no i'm kidding i just there's so many books i'm meeting people that are writing books and i haven't got them yet well, i'm gonna um, i'm gonna try to give you some pieces of it tonight okay perfect that that's great give me the cliff's notes version but i still will come up with the actual one here and and get those read um okay and then rounding out our panel we have got uh from an undisclosed location deep underground somewhere possibly <laughs> under the nebraska kansas border we're not sure because he won't let us know he won't invite us to his bunker we've got pat how are you sir i'm doing well good good glad to have you along and Thank then you. Also coming to us from the capital city of Lincoln, Nebraska, everybody's favorite tactical teacher. Uh, you know what? The first 10 Travis P's aren't cool, but Travis P11, awesome guy. You know, it, took, it took 10 to get it right. So, hey, speaking of famous, John, is there any way I can get an autograph from you? Because uh, your testimony up there at the at the uh, Capitol building was, was quoted in the Uticam update in print. So... Really? I got to get an autograph. You're officially been published before me. I'm jealous. I am. Wow. I'm published. Mm -hmm. I'm going mm -hmm. to add that to my resume. Been you can officially be quoted on Wikipedia and, you know, yeah. That's awesome. So there you go. I Travis, you're not counting your mugshot in the news, the news is published? Um, he was no, never, never, never convicted. So. But, maybe if they, you know. like, printed your final words if you were on death row or something, maybe. Mm -hmm. But Fair enough. I don't think that mugshots count, but I don't know. Anyway, Let us know mug shots count. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, okay, so tonight I, I want to talk a little bit about not personally some of the uh, attendees and, and people that testified in Lincoln last Thursday, but every time a gun bill comes along, and I'm sure it's like this in the other 49 capitals as well. Uh, there are people that came in that testified on, you know, in, in favor of the bill, because this is a bill that that would uh, remove the permit. Well, not remove the permit, remove the requirement. The permit would still, still be here. So if anybody wants multi-state reciprocity, then you could still get a Nebraska concealed handgun permit. But uh, right now you cannot carry concealed without that permit in Nebraska. So it would, it would take away the requirement for the permit and go to constitutional carry. And of course I'm, I'm all for this and so is uh, Nebraska Firearms Owners Association, of which I'm a board member, so so I was there to uh, to testify. And again, like I said, we had John Lott, uh, NFOA president, testified. We had several people that uh, that just showed up that were you know every man um, that that showed up to testify too. And it was great because as far as the proponents, I didn't hear a bad testimony. I didn't I didn't have anybody or hear anybody that was up there that made me hang my head and or shake my head they everybody did great um when it came to opposition the the omaha police union has some problems with the uh the introduced form so they want to work out some amendments with the senator who introduced the bill and um i know that uh that he has met with them a couple times and he's not done meeting with them and, and that senator is very, very optimistic that he's going to get these worked out so that uh, the Omaha Police Union and hopefully uh, Lincoln Police Chief and, and the groups that she represents will move their opposition, in which case, if that's the case, then we should be able to get uh, one more yes vote on the committee. And 
hopefully they they call an executive session on this one and have a vote but by that time we should have five yeses to move it out to a full floor debate so that's how what big we're is hoping the committee for. i'm sorry how big is the committee eight eight senators okay. and if you want details on that um go look up uh either nebraskafirearms.org or if you're on facebook nebraska firearms owners association on facebook uh, there are posts out there, and I think on the website, too. Um, I know if you're a member, there was an email blast that went out with all of those senators' names and email addresses on the committee asking everybody to uh, please contact those senators and let them know that, that we would like them to, to uh, have a vote and vote yes. Um, now, the reason that I, I wanted to talk about this tonight isn't about all that. It's because... There are always people that show up when there's a gun bill that it doesn't matter what the bill is. They're going to show up and testify in opposition to it. There were a couple ladies there wearing Moms Demand Action t-shirts. Now, uh, okay, so I've heard people, I think it was Charlie Cook, that uh, that makes the joke the first time he heard about Moms Demand Action. He thought that was something on, like, Pornhub or -hmm. something like that. Now... Here's what I'd really like to see, though, is uh, Moms Demand Action, to me, sounds like they should be picketing outside Planned Parenthood. That's what it sounds like to me. That should be an anti-abortion group, not an anti-gun group. But anyway, they were there in the red T-shirts. Um, there was a, a fellow in a, in a red T-shirt, a uh, teenage guy that uh, said students demand action on his shirt. Um, there was a lady there with a t-shirt that said guns kill kids. You know, these people, it's, it's their right to testify as well. Um, what I want to talk about a little bit, and I kind of want to get everybody's insight because I think we've all had discussions at, at one time or another, if not lots, um, with people who are vehemently anti-gun and they look at us like we're the devil. They think they're in the right and they claim to have the moral high ground. Um, before we went live, I, I likened it to Star Wars when Anakin's arguing with Obi-Wan at the end of episode three, right before their epic lightsaber duel. And Obi-Wan's telling Anakin, how could you join the Sith? They're evil. And Anakin says, well, in my mind, the Jedi are evil. They both think that they're the good guy. And we think we're the good guys, but so do the anti-gun crowd. Um, so I, I want to talk about those people in the sense that if we're going to have discussions, even debates, especially in a public forum, but sometimes just one-on-one with people who are vehemently anti-gun, the first thing we need to remember is that that is true. They think they're right. They think that we're in the wrong. And so, uh, has anybody on the panel not had that discussion with anybody? Is there anybody that's never been in that position to talk to somebody like that? Ooh. Okay, yeah. Don't all raise your hands at once. So no. I, I figured that, that we all have. So I kind of want to get everybody's insight a little bit, and we'll just kind of go around the uh, around the screen here a little bit. Um, Patrick, uh, well, you know what? Shane, we'll start with you. Defense dad, um, what, uh, what kind of vibes do you pick up from somebody when you get the sense that you know they're looking at you like you're the evil one and and they're the ones that are 
that are moral and right and just? Well, I mean, I've had this conversation with members of my own family, so I mean, it, it kind of hits home to you know. My I have I'm not going to say who in my family, but sure. I have a family member. He, he actually owns a shotgun, um, but he thinks it's horrible to keep ammunition for it in the house. If he wants, he just has it. If he wants to go shoot, he goes buys what he wants to shoot, and then he goes and shoots it. He he and his family totally believe that you should just call nine one one, and they have a big dog in their house that's going to protect them. And, you know, that's, that's their beliefs. And I, and they, I, I don't, I, they haven't come out and said it, but like, sometimes I think they think that it's horrible. They know I have a child in the house and I have guns in the house and how can I dare be that unsafe? And I'm like, you got to have a conversation with people. Like what's your response time? If something happens, if, even if it's only four minutes, you know how much evil can happen with an intruder in your house in four minutes before the police be in most cities, that response time's a lot longer than that. They're not really too willing to to hear that point of view. They've they've set their their opinion. Um, I've had that conversation with multiple people outside the family too. I mean, it's tough if you if you meet someone who's not willing to at least look at your point of view and entertain it, or like I say in off air, if, if you're not willing to look at their point of view and help understand where they're coming from. You're not going to have a conversation. You're just going to have a stonewall yelling match. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a point that I kind of want to make tonight as we go along is that if we're going to have these conversations, we, we can't expect somebody to care why we care the way we do. If we're not going to give them the same courtesy and the same respect and care and try to, to at least listen where they're coming from. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to convince you that they're right or that you're going to convince them that they're wrong. And sometimes some of these people are flat out wackadoodles, right? I mean, sometimes where they're coming from is, is not a place that's, that's based in reality at all. So again, we have to learn how to pick our battles, right? Whether they be um, in court or in the legislature or just the, the court of public opinion and having these conversations. Yeah. But but you well, owe it to yourself to find out first if there's even a chance. I can give you an example of a good conversation I've had like Go that. Ahead. Sorry. So I have a friend of mine. She had a horrible life growing up until she moved to the States. She was born in Bosnia. They lived under constant war. She literally told me stories that their family had bombs in their house to protect their, themselves. She's seen horrible, horrible things happen with guns. So she was completely, she, she was, as she moved to the States when she was 10, she's, I think, 30 now. Um, we had a conversation. She asked me why I need to have the gun in the house and do I keep them loaded or, or why do I keep them loaded? Why don't I keep, like people tell you, to have the ammunition over here and then loaded if you need it? And I, I was like, well, you grew up, not that this is, not that this is a war zone here, but you grew up in a situation where your family had to to defend yourself. How well could you defend yourself if you had to assemble that bomb or load that gun before you could defend your family if someone was shooting at you? And I had explained to her like how you safely keep a firearm in the house um, and keep it stored or how, however you handle it. And she's come around. She's still not going to have one, but she doesn't think it's an evil thing. I've, I've had that conversation with her multiple times, and I have swayed her opinion. That's coming from someone who grew up in a war zone. 
Yeah, but this isn't something that happened after one conversation either. No, but it was... It, nor, it, nor is it something that happened from somebody who she didn't know at all and didn't care about you and your opinion anyway. I mean, you did this the right way. Uh, it's somebody that, that you got to know and she got to know you. you you've had multiple conversations about more topics than this, I'm sure. Sure. And, and she understands, she knows that you're not a bad guy. And, and I think that is a great step. If, if you get that opportunity, that's where we've got to start is they see you as the bad guy. You've got to defuse that bomb, I think, before you can really go forward with some of this other stuff. Um, Patrick, what, uh, what's been your experience with some, some crazy anti-gunners? Well, the, the, the key to the tactic is separating the association between you know, a bad guy is someone with a gun and a good person is someone who's innocent without a gun. Uh, because the first thing that they do is they wind up either calling the police or someone who has some type of force multiplier to uh, essentially get involved with the situation. So, um, you know, where I grew up, I actually grew up in Boston, right? City. Uh, and it's implanted in every kid's mind that the only way that you should have a gun is if you become a soldier or a police officer or else you're just a criminal at that point. And, and uh, you know, that, that's false. I, I'm sure, you know, a lot of gun owners are not soldiers or police officers mm -hmm. or criminals for that matter. But that's what we have to deal with is we have to completely separate it into different buckets so that people understand that, you know, not everybody who has or in possession of a firearm is a bad person. And that, that's really key to this. To no, absolutely. Great point. Uh, Rob, where uh, where have these conversations taken you and, and what have you noticed? Just uh, not necessarily, well, just go ahead. <laughs> I was, I was going to try and qualify the question a little bit, but, you know, I mean, go ahead. So I had a similar conversation. These were a bunch of D.C. lawyers. Okay. Brilliant in what they do. They're not 2A lawyers. So I asked them the, the obvious leading questions. How many lives are saved with a gun? How many mass murders are there? They were off by factors of a thousand. So, and I go, okay, where'd you get your information? And they told me there, now they go, of course they admitted, hey, I don't study this, but it's what I read in the news. And then if you look at the news, the news is biased by factors of thousands for every uh, shooting or murder that's done with a gun, they they amplify that by a thousand compared to the number of self-defense examples they run. So I suspect, a, I doubt that we're dealing with a common set of facts. With, I mean, these are well-informed people. Now we want to go talk about moms demand attention. I, I, I would guess that, that we don't have a common set of facts. Yeah, for sure we don't, we don't have... A lot of common ground there but i mean that that's a prime example of a group that views themselves as the the morally superior group right or the more morally superior side of the of the discussion i mean that that's that's what they're all about is preaching how you know like like patrick said if somebody has a gun they're a bad guy well and and then i mean they the people who fund them very carefully want them to be ideologues 
Yeah. Yeah. Guns are bad. We should be in a gun-free world. And I'm going, there's a name for that. And I don't want to be there. It's dangerous yeah. as heck. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we lost a, so we a lot could... of soldiers uh, at one point trying to uh, prevent that from spreading across the globe. So, all right, Dan, we'll move over to you. What's been your experience with, with uh, the, I don't want to say crazy anti-gun people, the, the passionately anti-gun people. Well, there's so, there's so much here and I've yeah. been taking some notes here. I want to just kind of bullet point some stuff. First of all, what Rob said was, was excellent because he, he touched on the, the fact that the media controls the narrative. So even these lawyers didn't understand what's really happening. They only knew what they saw in the news. That's how powerful the media is. So if we can first understand how powerful the media is and the anti-gun narrative, then we start to understand why the anti-gunners act the way they do. It's because of the narrative and it's because of the propaganda. So the anti-gunners are controlled by two human emotions, the most powerful human emotions that we have, and that's fear and hate. So they're scared to death of guns because they just don't understand about them. They don't use them. Most of them don't. And so, so they're scared of the gun. So remember when anytime there's a school shooting, the first thing they roll across the screen is the AR-15 to say, this is the problem. You should be very scared of this. And they do because they don't know any better. And hate, hate and anger is, is the next strongest human emotion. And, and they, they are taught and they're conditioned on a daily basis to hate us. This is a part that we have to understand because they hate us because they believe, because they're told that we are constantly, intentionally putting everyone in danger because we won't compromise on our gun rights. So understanding that much first. The fear and hate that's instilled in these people, we start to understand why they act the way they do. We can show them all the statistics in the world, and they don't always, they don't, they don't accept it mm -hmm. because they understand that their emotions are stronger. That's the strongest thing. It's hard for them to break that, you know, unless you have a serious situation in your life. Like we talked, and I made, I made some notes here. We talk about uh, incidents that people have in their life when they, when they're in danger, let's say they're anti-gun and they're in danger. They, they sometimes flip because the, the, the fear of the danger is stronger than the fear of the gun. And they realize that now it's time to get smart and, and they, they completely change that. That's kind of what happened to me a long time ago. So this is why we had a huge, uh, uptick in, in gun sales during the 2020 left-wing riots. Now, you, you guys all know this, the, the, the gun sales skyrocketed and almost half of the new gun sales were by first-timers. So what does that tell you? It tells you that the fear of being in danger is stronger than the fear of the gun. So they started to learn about guns and they started to realize that maybe I should be thinking about this a little bit differently. So you got fear and hate, but then you also have this this, the two ideologies, the left and the right, have two completely different ways of thinking about things. So I, the way I, what I've realized is that the left is very rule bound. They like rules and regulations and, and restrictions and laws because it makes them feel safer. And they don't mind following it. And they're willing to give up their freedom for safety or what yeah. they perceive to be safety. People on the right are completely different. We are willing to give up our safety for freedom because we value that more. So we got a bunch of components going on here and 
it's all this stuff. If we can understand, this is the stuff I talk about in the Good Gun, Bad Guy series. If we can understand all these psychological components, we understand where they're coming from. And I believe that there, and we talked earlier a little bit about all the people in the middle that we can help. Well, I don't believe there's many of them. I, I think there's some, but not a lot mm-hmm. that we can help. The majority of them we have to defeat because they're, the chances of them being put in a dangerous situation so they flip is rare. And changing their minds because of the way they've been indoctrinated, the way they've been conditioned, um, that's going to be tough too um, because we don't have the media to pump out honest yeah. messages. So, so this is a tough thing. We can either help some of them, yes, but m- the majority of them have to be defeated legislatively, I believe. Can, well, John, and, and, I want to – let me toss in something in, okay? Sure. Dan, to me, the person in the middle is someone whose mind can be changed. That's a, that's virtually a definition. Yes, I, I agree. I agree, but I, I don't think there's many of them. That's my point. I don't well, think there's as many as we might think. I, I think okay. there – I'll, I'll grant you that. I think there may be more than we realize, though, because everybody has an opinion. And I I think that you have to be living way out in the sticks to not be aware that guns are a polarizing issue in this nation and have, you know, almost through our history have been. But especially in the last 20 years or so, um, the guns are a growing polarizing issue. And so I I think about where I live in Nebraska and, you know, we've got a million and a half people, a million of them in Omaha, and then half a million throughout the rest of the state. And half of those are in Lincoln. So it's, it's a fairly rural state. There are a ton of people out across Nebraska who are aware that guns are, are an issue with some people, but it's also a way of life in Nebraska to, to own a gun. If you don't live in Lincoln or Omaha, especially then you probably have guns in the house, uh, more houses than don't, even if they only take them out a couple times a year to hunt or to plank or whatever. Other people carry them daily for defense and other people have them in their pickup. You know, they're farmers, ranchers, they, they're they a tool. They're, they're no more no different a farm implement than a pitchfork or a shovel. And so I think about those people and they may at first glance seem pro-gun, but they may not be pro 2A. And a lot of those folks have never thought about this discussion or, or had the discussion with somebody who's, who's anti-gun because they don't associate very often with people you know, who, who have a, a different thought pattern than their own and, and uh, come from a different part of the world than, than theirs. And so that, I think, could be uh, kind of a common theme for most people. There's... I've always said there's 10 to 20% of the people that are dug in hard on the pro gun side, pro two a side. They're the people that we see uh, constantly having rallies, speaking at rallies, testifying in front of, of state legislatures, Congress, you know, your, your John lots, your, uh, your, your Chris Chang's guys like that. Um, And the, or Diana Muller. But then, there's also going to be the the 10 to 20% that are dug in hard on the right that are part of, you know, every town for gun safety, Giffords, things like that. Um, so that leaves somewhere between 60 and 80% of the crowd who probably has an opinion, 
maybe hasn't thought about it a lot, but but they they've at least been exposed to this, but aren't dead set, you know, dug in 100% died in the wool. And we may or may not change their mind. They might not actually be on the fence, but they're the ones that can be swayed. They're the ones that that uh, are are willing to listen to reason. The only reason that they're getting right now, as you've said, comes from the news. They've not been exposed to any other concept. Uh, and so, yeah, they get indoctrinated to think that, well, guns are evil. Gun people care more about their guns than they do about my kids' lives, right? Which is a compelling argument if you've never, uh, if nobody gets a chance to refute it, then why would anybody not believe that? It's, it's, a, it's a very compelling argument. So, so you're totally right. Um, people can go back through the, the playlist of these, these episodes. Uh, it's been a while back now, but we had an episode where we talked about, you know, Ben Shapiro, uh, ben Shapiro is famous for saying facts don't care about your feelings. We had a whole episode one night about how feelings don't care about your facts. I, you know? um, if I can jump so, in for one quick second. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with what you, John, you and Rob are saying about the split, the people on the right, people on the left, people in the middle. Um, the only thing I disagree with is the the amount of people in the middle. Like Rob pointed out that the people in the middle can be changed. I totally agree. But how, I, don't, I think that percentage is smaller. And, 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 and here's why. How many people have we seen from the middle come over to the right? In other words, and I say the right, I mean the gun, the pro-gun side. Um, in other words, how many people do you know personally who have actually been undecided and have gone pro-gun? And that should give you an idea of, of how many people there are there. Well, I, words, people that can be swayed one way or another, people who can who can change their mind with with information and data. I, I, I think it's a noble idea. And I, and I and I wish it was true that there was a lot more. of them, But I just don't think there's that many. Well, here's when the, I can, the, I have something surprised. to say. That, but go ahead and draw. OK, just, just a second here. Yeah. Um, I, I think that you're probably right. There are a, a lot of people who whether or not their mind gets changed i mean all we have to do is have a, a conversation with them that opens their eyes to the fact that hey this other point is also valid equally valid right i mean i i carry my firearm not because i hate but because i love right everybody on the panel understands the concept um but a lot of people out in the world don't really understand that until i explain it to them now here's the thing though they might see things my way but that might not they're not going to do anything about it. They weren't anyway, though. They weren't going to give money to Giffords. They're not going to join the NRA now. They don't do anything, which right. is that 60 to 80 percent in the middle are also the ones that they don't do anything. They're the ones that we're constantly trying to light fires under. I am, as an NFOA board member, trying to get volunteers, members to, to join our organization just to pick up their phone send an email to a senator, a state senator here, I mean, they're not going to do it. They think that this needs to be done, and they think that somebody should do it, and they hope that somebody does their job and does this for them. So you're right, Dan, I think in the sense that it may not sway them to the point where they become an activist. I think people are squishy overall, and and the when they're willing to give you a chance to listen to you, then 
yeah, you can refute the stuff that's on the news fairly easily, or at least, you know, show an equally valid point. But yes, most of the time it, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't, they don't do anything with it. So that could be maybe what you're saying. Maybe I said it in a different way. Maybe it's the opposite of what you're saying. I'm not sure, but I wanted to throw that out there. Um, we'll give you a chance to, if you have anything you want to say, but Shane had something you wanted to throw in here. Yeah. So I just, I mean, I agree with the points both are pretty much everybody's making. I do. I am on the side that I think there are more of those people than we think, but the problem is those are going to be the hardest people to find because they're also the same people that don't show up to vote. They think their opinion doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, they go through life like, well, it doesn't affect me. Like, I, I, I could care less about guns, so I'm not going to have that conversation. And that's where, like, the example I gave you, don't, unless you know those people or actively search them out, you're not going to find them. Um, it, the people who are outspoken have already made their decisions. So that's that's the disconnect you have when trying to convert someone. Unless you can actually find that group of people and have yeah. that conversation, they're just they're just sitting out there, moving on with their lives and and running under the radar. It's it, you have yeah. to search them out. But then, and you can have certain things like that. Like let's say uh, we, we we do the every second matters where people go out and every every day carry right. I've had some good conversations with people. And they walk up like, "Hey, I noticed you're carrying a gun. Is that legal? You can do that." But then you also run the risk of having the people that want to call the cops on you because they see you carrying a gun. It's, mm-hmm. it's really going to be tough to find those people that just don't want to be found. And those, that's the people that I think are on the fence. No, I, I agree with you. Well, okay, um, I, I'm going to call it a teeter totter, not a fence. Cause I don't think you jump to one side. I think they're. Yeah, I think you're right. Gentlemen, you took thousands of small steps. Eh, I exaggerate. Okay. Um, it's, inf- it's inflation's here, maybe a dozen steps, um, <laughs> that, that took you from, uh, you know, I'm not sure about this to, wow. Yeah. I'll put my time and energy into it. Um, and to say, oh, they're not, I, you won't move them from rail to rail. Maybe you can move them one step, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it could literally begin. Do you think personal, uh, interpersonal violence is real? You think they're bad people out in the world, you know? And okay, you don't, huh? Let's talk. Yeah. You got to take them from where they are. There are people that don't believe that humans are inherently evil, so they just believe oh. that everybody's inherently good. And if there weren't evil guns that are talismans of some sort that impart that evilness into people, that yeah, heaven would be, be happy, here on earth, joy, right? joy, and in a way we'd go. Well, there's another good point there that Rob just made, and that's, you know, the teeter-totter effect is that the the people in the middle, a lot of them are those people who say, well, I believe in the Second Amendment, but. Uh Oh, there you go. Right? (laughs) And and those are the ones who who want the the AR-15 restrictions. They want the magazine capacities. They they want the the gun-free zones. They want all the universal background checks. They want all that stuff but they still say they believe in the second amendment. When you want all yeah. that stuff, you do not believe in the second amendment. Right. Yeah. For, for the crowd who's out there listening and watching, who's under 40, a teeter totter is. <laughs> I just want to point that out. We could say pendulum as well. You know, the, they, they do, they swing back and forth depending on the last conversation they had. Off playgrounds years ago. They don't know what a teeter totter is. They're too dangerous. <laughs> they took out the monkey bars with the jagged metal on them. They took yeah. out the, 
the rope thing that Slides we have on. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we no, used they, to take a piece of wax paper and slick that slide right up. Gates yes. now and shields <laughs> over the top of their slides so they can't fall so, out. And, okay, hey, John. Before we roll through the rest of the panel here, there's two things I want to mention. First off, um, there's some confusion out there because my uh, my corner logo that's halfway almost covering up Patrick's face. That's not Patrick's website. That is the show sponsor. Uh, so that that's who sponsored tonight's episode, Open Country Firearms, Osmond, Nebraska. Patrick's website is The Gun Food. Patrick's website is under construction. You can't go there right now. He's getting it fixed. It's in the shop. So as soon as that's up and running, though, you can go check out. Is it the thegunfood.com? Thegunfood.com. Okay. Uh, I actually had a basically shot show was last week and had to take it down. And that's what I figured it would be a good time to take it down. I actually wound up being the worst time to take it down. <laughs> of course. It kind of makes sense. Everybody wants to go check it out when you hand them a card. Yeah, exactly. I get it. I get it. Okay. And before we go to uh, to Pat and to Travis here, G-Webs is out there in the, in the live chat making some great points. I want to get to those, but I want everybody to get a chance to speak first. So, uh, so Defense Dad is going to pull those uh, comments up here uh, when we get a second. But, Pat, we're well, going to go to you first. That, that's what I was going to ask you. I don't know how to do that. I was looking at his comments. Okay. So, <clears throat> over there on the uh, on the right-hand side, if you're up on the, t the comments there, okay, uh, you should be able just to click on the comment. If you roll your mouse over it, does it say show? Oh, that's what it – okay. So, you just click that comment, and okay. then as the comments come in, it'll shift up, so you got to keep up with it. There you go. Okay. So, yeah, we'll – We'll go to that here in a second, but I want to give everybody a chance first to, to, to talk. So, Pat, we're going to move over to you. Um, what's been your experience when, when you run into somebody who's passionately anti-gun? Well, I've come across some people that were kind of undecided but <clears throat> friendly about it, not wanting okay. to rip my head off and uh, proverbially uh, do something down my throat about it, like, from Karens or Carls. So I apologize to any Carls or Karens out there, but <laughs> no, um, it's okay. we know what you meant. I think the big three things um, is one, ignorance, just because they flat don't know anything about guns or how any of it works. Mm -hmm. Number two is the household they grew up in could be anti-gun or didn't care or could could be pro-gun or number three they could have seen something or had something negatively affect them in their life or just the news and the propaganda and everything from even from a young age let's say anywhere from 12 all the way up to 21 and that could be uh, institutions like colleges or media or you know throw it out there so i think those are the three big things that kind of influence how somebody is raised as far as you can have a positive experience with guns and growing up around them or somebody that had the outside influence that pressured it on you. Now, we do see in some of the gun communities, and we know who they are out there, that have come across and said, 
this is not nearly as bad as I thought it was. Sure. They look into it with an open mind. It's those open-minded people that really take a strong, hard look at what is actually going on on each side, and they come up with their own conclusion. And that's great because they didn't have to be, you know, they could have been influenced when they were younger or they could have been influenced when they were older. And I think that's great that somebody that can come up with their own conclusion when they, you know, when they actually weigh both sides and do some critical thinking on it. But yeah, my, my thought on people that I honestly don't know how many people are out there in the middle. I, I honestly don't know that mm-hmm. uh, I'm still scratching my head on that one. Um, but if anybody is willing to have a open conversation and not try to just scream and threaten me and you know, what have you, mm-hmm. that's great. I mean, because I'm a pretty level-headed guy. I, I try not to uh, let the emotions get too much in the way. I mean, and and there again, there's a difference between emotion and passion about something, too. Sure. So if somebody is passionate about something, that's completely different from emotion. That is the person, the somebody that has a passion, even if it's little or big, versus straight up emotion about something where that, that's just completely what their drive is mm-hmm. somebody with passion will have that conversation or at least be open to the conversation about it somebody with emotion and won't listen you might as well just get just discount them throw them out the back window and just keep driving off <laughs> No, I, I agree with that. You're absolutely right. Um, okay, and then Travis, what's been yeah. your experience? And I know that sometimes with what you do for a living, I know that that you may not be well, you tell me what your experience yeah. is. I it's been for, a lot for of those of you that don't know, Travis is a public school teacher, so he's got an extra fine line to walk sometimes. Yeah. Maybe it's because we're in Nebraska and you mentioned it. There's just kind of this this gun culture that exists in the state. Guns are tools. And it seems like it's been one of three discussions that I've had with somebody that's maybe not been pro 2A. You know, we've had discussions about firearms. It's come up. It's either been, you know, well, I don't want a gun, but if somebody wants one, I know they have a right to have one. That's usually the opinion that gets shared. Or two, yeah, well, you know, you know, I know you guys like to have your guns for hunting because, you know, that always comes up. You know, I know people got to hunt, you know. Or three, it just, I'm going to borrow from Dan here. They just start spewing off statistics statistics they heard on NPR this morning or what the view told them or what they saw on the news or, well, I don't know, anybody needs an AR-15 or, you know. So it is interesting. Yeah, that's been one of the three reactions has been from people. So, and and I made some comments in the side chat that, you know what, we had several of our family members, females, that all got um, certified here in Lincoln for their concealed carry permit uh, just last winter they all took the class and they all got their carry permits and some of them own multiple firearms now and they're not they don't watch my podcast or anything you know they're not like just blaringly 2a but they do respect a person's right to bear arms and they understand that it's a defensive tool and uh they've kind of you know they realize if you have this tool and use it responsibly you're going to be okay with it in your life you know so that's mm-hmm. been the experience and then even my best friend and his wife you know they don't live in nebraska they live in they live in texas of all places and They've become gun owners and they, they, we go to the range every time we come up here, we go to the range when we go down there. 
the the wife is a teacher elementary school teacher so you know like you know people can change you can change minds it's just i think sometimes they see an opportunity one to actually go shoot a gun and two, just have some good discussions about it how to properly you know keep it around the home especially with kids every, so every time yeah. travis meets up with his friends from texas and they go to the yeah. range he loses a gun i do they I like do his now. gun and they buy it from yeah. him the problem is i let them shoot it and then they're like well yeah let's you know i want one of these and i'm like well you, you can buy mine if you want it that's fine if you like it that much you know that's fine and they will you know they got to explain to them that we can't i just can't let them take it home i have to do an interstate transfer through an ffl you know and we then we get into the rules and laws and stuff so they both been g17 gen force i'm sorry i know you guys hate glocks but uh, that's just what it was so yeah um i mean not the cool ones but I, yeah 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 <laughs> carrying one right now i just can't show you on a live stream <laughs> but no we had a great time we took the we took the we took the kids out there let them shoot some little 22s and you know we have discussions on it and, and like i said they're not you know they're not they're not oh you know overtly pro 2a but they do respect the rights to bear arms and you know they're out there you just have to find them so there you go see that's it right there that's your other sponsor isn't it john you're sponsored by glock aren't you now i, I wish i was sponsored by yeah, glock. i do get do. some cool swag every now and then from uh being a patreon patron of you absolutely but thanks for that time by the way hey no problem i think you have two of them so you know but anyway, I, no, I, you know what i'm thinking guys we haven't actually defined pro-gun and anti-gun that's true and we haven't defined what it means to be in the middle so here's my suggestion is pro-gun zero restrictions and is anti-gun no guns at all what is the definition because it's going to be hard for us because it seems like it's a spectrum it, it really it's is going to be hard for scale, us to isn't it? It. no it's easy it's always been a, if you're not with us you're against us that's exactly how it is on that's exactly if you're not with us you're against us that's your aunties and then we could say that anybody that's okay with having guns or having them in the house they're pro-gun so there you go. I don't know. Is there a middle of the road term? Well, we well, the middle, I think, like a, is there I, yeah, a middle, tolerable gun owner? Is that the term we want to use? Or do you remember the, uh, do you remember the uh, liberal gun owners? They said, yeah, we're pro-gun. We just want mandatory registration right. and insurance. But, and I go, really? Yeah. If there's a but behind you... pro-gun, they're not pro-gun. <laughs> so is that how we're going to define it? If there's a but behind it, then they're anti-gun. <sighs> I don't know though. Well, okay, yeah, that defines the middle. Maybe when we say that, that middle, is, maybe you could put that middle of the road. Maybe. I, I think for the sake of this discussion, that pro gun is going to be the people that that would consider all gun laws unconstitutional. Anti gun for the sake of tonight's discussion, let's call them the ones that won't be happy until guns are gone, eradicated from the earth. Yeah. And the then middle? the middle of the road people can be anywhere from I support the Second Amendment, but all the way up to I've never owned a gun, but I don't care if you do. Okay. Well, now we know what we're talking about. How are we going to sway those people in the middle? Well, that's the next question, actually, that I want to <laughs> throw out to the group. But Just take him to the range. There, You'll change uh, the range. Take him to the range. Let's shoot in Yeah, G's been making some great comments out there that I want to, I want to kind of go through these a little bit. And I uh there's the great one uh, that's i think the first one that i saw if we had this conversation 10 years ago i would agree the middle was ineffective but in 2022 i meet more and more folks who have decided to become gun owners rather than being born into it yeah i was born into it which we never established on this panel is there anybody on the panel who wasn't born into it yeah. okay you too so yeah. 
I mean, Shane, you kind of talked about that a little bit earlier, that, that your family, you've got a lot of family members today that are still anti-gun. By tonight's definition now, are they anti-gun? Are they are they not going to be happy until nobody's got them? Or are they more of a, I don't care um, if you have one? Or I'd say there's only two of them that are anti-gun. Like, we... My, my folks have guns in the house, but I didn't grow up in a house that had guns. My I learned to shoot from my grandfather, who was a World War II veteran. He taught me how to shoot, but we didn't have guns in the house, and there weren't guns in the house until my mom remarried when I was in high school. So And and to be honest with you, I didn't know there was guns in the house at that point either until until we went out at Christmas time and started shooting. I, I was surprised. So And I personally didn't own a gun until... I was in my early forties. Uh, I wasn't against it. I just, I had, I had other things that I focused on like cars and woodworking and that kind of stuff. So I am one of the new ones. It was kind of, I'm not turned. I was never anti-gun, but I, I, I wouldn't have called myself pro-gun. Okay. So I want to get a little bit of your story too, Patrick, but defense dad, um, without going into too much detail here, you had to, at some point, you found a why. There, there was, there was a reason that made you start owning firearms. What was your why? Um, but honestly, well, for one, like when I was married, my wife was anti having a gun in the house, um, and it wasn't even an argument I was gonna even come close to winning. But once, sorry, we'll stop. <laughs> uh, cat, cat, yeah. Um, but I got, I, the turning point for me was a couple years ago, there was two attempted kidnappings of young girls close to my daughter's age that were a mile. One was a mile and a half and one was six blocks from my home. And one of the cases, it was the same black sedan that was going through town. And one of them actually got hold of a, like physically got hold of a 14 year old girl by the arm and tried to pull her into his car she was able to break away and go bang on a door and get safe. And that was my turning point. I'm like, enough. This I live in a big enough town. I live close to a highway. There's a lot of sex trafficking going on. My daughter's getting older. That was my epiphany or turning point or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then I went out, got my first firearm, and I tell people the same thing. I swore, like, yeah, I'm buying a gun to protect myself, but I'm not going to be one of those gun guys. <laughs> famous last words right they're like potato <laughs> chips aren't they and, and you know you my history now. from there <laughs> yeah um but that was my turning point it was about my daughter okay no that's awesome i think this actually has a lot of bearing on tonight's conversation even though you guys may not have been the passionately anti-gun um i like to hear people's stories especially when they they didn't grow up born into having guns like i did so patrick uh, what was your background before you became a gun guy? So, I mean, I was always involved with the ability to defend yourself, but okay. I grew up in the in one of the hardened eight states, uh, Massachusetts. So it was, have a gun up there is very difficult. It's still very difficult. Um, even as an instructor myself, uh, I can't actually carry in my own state, but I can deem someone able to carry in that state that's how the laws are don't ask me it's really <laughs> yeah i know but uh you know i've always been into defense and stuff like that and i always felt like you had the right to defend yourself if you if ever so necessary and called upon um however uh you know when i when i grew up 
guns weren't a question. We did have a rifle team in high school. Um, so that was, that was probably, I think my class was one of the last years that they allowed rifle teams in, in high school, which is a whole nother debate of guns in schools and education and whatnot. Um, and, uh, a lot of my uncles were either in the military or, uh, police force, uh, and very high ranking as well. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily grow into guns until I turned, uh, probably about 30 or so. Um, and I, I just jumped into it, jumped neck deep into it. Someone said I had decent aim and uh, started shooting competitively and then okay. teaching. So was never really against it per se. Okay, uh, sure. But just different point of view. And, uh, and just, just uh, to throw out a little teaser for, gosh, that's next week already. I need to confirm my guest. Uh, so I won't, I won't name her, but I've got a guest that some of you know uh, quite well, who used to be anti-gun and is now an instructor and, and involved with with multiple um, nationwide groups of, of gun-owning ladies. So you guys are wanna, gonna, you're going to want to tune in next week um, as long as I confirm that we're still on for um, next week. But I know it was the first Thursday in February that we were planning on it. And that's almost here, so uh, so that's going to be a fun night. Just getting to to listen to her story. Um, we may have a limited panel that night, just so that we can we can have her uh, be our kind of our spotlight guest. We'll see what happens. Um, so so all right. I know that there were some more comments that G Webs had put up. Uh, let me find them here. Um, here's another one. Folks who have decided to become a gun owner in spite of the anti-gun propaganda are some of the most motivated people on our side in 2022 as well. And they're the best at reaching others we haven't. Um, and I I definitely agree with that. We are seeing more and more minority groups become gun owners or more members of minority groups. Women are, I believe, the fastest growing group of gun owners now in America, which... Uh, when you say fastest growing, that means, you know, percentage wise, uh, it's not as high a bar to clear as what one might think, because, you know, even 30 years ago, there were not a lot of female gun owners. So to say that they've increased, you know, a thousand percent, that's not a lot of ladies buying a gun, you know, uh, but women are one of the fastest growing gun owners. Uh, people in ethnic minorities are waking up to the fact that, you know, armed people don't get uh don't get terrorized uh members in the lgbtq community operation blazing sword you know is uh is it blazing sword or is it pink it's pink pistols i think that their their slogan is armed gays don't get bashed uh so i mean yeah we've got all these groups now that that are are growing and the next group that is growing um it, you know, in the last couple of years exponentially are the people who have have come to realize that the police are not going to be there to save them and they are responsible for their own safety. That's where we've seen the huge boom in gun ownership recently, right? It's everybody that we talk to. I mean, Defense Dad, you were standing in line. Uh, you told me there in Lincoln and, and there were people mad that uh, they couldn't cash and carry a gun because they didn't have a purchase permit. 
and they yeah. weren't aware of you know they they thought it was easier to get a gun than a than a library book yeah there was a couple times i was up at shields and yeah they believed what they saw in the news so they're there and it was during the height of the panic buying and there was people like there was one gal that was just i absolutely throwing a fit because she couldn't go home with her handgun that night she's like what do you mean i'd go get a permit um, so there was a lot of uneducated people there and I think it's great. People have taken their, their, the time to get educated on that. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I know that, that I have heard some stories, um, and maybe you on the panel, you can, I'm not going to keep going around the horn. We can just, uh, jump in as, as people need to here. But, uh, how many of you have, have talked to people who are new gun owners and those of you that are trainers, especially, I'm sure, um, they're new gun owners. Now that they own a gun, their eyes are opened to how restricted they are as a gun owner. Well, I can't take it here. I can't do this. I can't own that. What? Or, yeah, yeah I, I can't buy this yeah. today. What? Yeah. I, I, I have a coworker who got her first gun, and we, we've known each other for years. And she's constantly texting me like, hey, because she got her carry permit. And she's texting me like, so I'm going here. Can I carry there? I'm like, so I'll look it up. <laughs> like, no. Like, I've had to give her a list of the, because there's a published list on one of the groups I belong to here in Lincoln or across the state or places that you cannot carry a gun to. And it, she, mm-hmm. she's like, I spent all this money to be able to carry a gun and I can't <laughs> carry it in all these places I want to go or I'm a felon. I'm like, yeah, because Nebraska's a state where if they even have that sign on the door, it carries the word of law. So it, it really surprised me. And it surprised me, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. When I started carrying, I was like, okay, I got my permit. I can carry anywhere. And then I then I met Justin out at Nebraska Shooters. And that's the one thing I want to say is I lucked out. I found a great resource there. But I found the people in the gun community, like, like I've told people before, are the it's the only group of people i found that are as welcoming as the car community that i grew up in because i grew up building cars and drag racing mm-hmm. like they're they're welcoming they'll welcome with you i mean they'll give you crap for if they don't like your gun but they'll welcome you yeah and, and i'm not a car guy but i've always said that the the two most welcoming groups i've ever been around are the the gun people and rodeo it's kind of the same thing you know if you're at yep. the range and you're looking at you know that's a very nice, uh, you know, nickel plated revolver. What is that? Oh, this is my, you know, 1969 manufacturer Colt Python. Do you want to shoot it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I've been to rodeos where somebody's horse comes up lame and somebody else will say, well, throw your saddle on my horse and ride him around a little bit. You can rope off him if you want to. I mean, it's these people, you know, and I'm sure that I've never been part of gun competition but I'm sure competitive shooters are the same way where, you know, if, if somebody forgot something in their range bag or your gun breaks down, somebody's going to hand you their gun who is Absolutely. a direct competitor, right? I Absolutely. mean, they, they just had a great run. They're handing you their gun now to so that you can have a great run because it's more about the camaraderie than it is about taking home the purse. Um, but gun people are, are just naturally... I don't know, just naturally nice people for the most part. Yeah, there's a few a-holes out there in every group, right? But yeah, you're 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 dead on. And being part of both the gun community and the 2A community, because I always like to differentiate the two, they're not the same. 
but the 2A community as well. I mean, you know, there's, there's, I've, I've not yet had somebody slam the door in my face when I invited them to come hang out on our, you know, this is the best show that nobody's watching on the internet right now. We're live to tens of people, almost tens, 10 and a half, <laughs> 16 people right now. Um, we're growing, but, uh, but that's just it. I mean, you guys are awesome. And the fact that we can sit down and have these conversations, and even if we, we don't necessarily agree on a topic, I mean, we can be grown up about it, so that's cool. Um, you know, I want to go back to, to what Rob and Dan both were saying about the, the people in the middle and how, I know this seems counterintuitive, but I think you're both right, and I don't know how that's possible. But, but you both make great points. I want to know, for those of you watching in the live chat, um, which is it? Are there more people that are able to be swayed or are there more people in the middle that we're not going to sway? What do you think? What's been your experience? So, so get those comments out there. I want to know, um, I want to know what, uh, what you guys think out there too. And don't forget to let us know where you're watching from. Um, so, uh, okay. I, I have an answer to gun websites question. What was the <laughs> question? I missed it. Uh, he said, what is the 9mm of cars? Because everyone knows oh. G-Webs doesn't like 9mm. That would be a Camaro or a Fox Buddy Mustang. I was going to say Honda Civic. Like, it kind of gets the job done, but it's not overly, you know. Honda Civics <laughs> are the three. Economical, it's, it's reliable, it gets the job done, you know. If it's, it's got a 305 or a 302, it's the 9mm of the of the car world okay if it's a v8 it's got to be like like a 10 millimeter or like a 45 well we we know that you're like, a fan of the the 40 smith so 380 what, would be like a, a hybrid or a three cylinder geo metro i don't know guys what's the 1911 f-150 see i would say it's a big block corvette no, no. no. What, was, what was the first year of the Corvette? 55? 55 Chevy with a 283 with a 4 on the floor. Okay. That is a 1911. Realistically, these days, anything rear-wheel drive with a V8 naturally aspirated would be the 1911. Because well, Considering the, the 1911 were the, the drive first... With... <laughs> if, if we say the 1911 was the first widely successful autoloader, because there were other automatic pistols out there before that one, but it's the one that took off, mostly because Uncle Sam uh, issued it. But I think we got to call it the the Model T, don't we? It's that's the yeah. car that took off. That's the reason why we all have automobiles today. Was that Model T Ford? Not simple enough. Not, Not simple. Enough. That's like a revolver. That's like a gold baby simple. revolver but, or something. But it know. doesn't have the power. Yeah. I think. I think the. Power <laughs> okay. Okay. What year was the first V8 engine brought out in the Fords? That's the one we need. When I when I hear nine millimeter though of cars, I, I picture the cars that most of the people with mullets drove. Huh. Yeah. Uh, now, if you're wanting to do that, it would have been 1954 Cadillac. Would have been the first V8. No, now we've gone down a rabbit hole. Yeah, it's turning into a car chat, but yeah, no, sorry. No, they had V8s in the Prohibition days. That's why the uh, the gangsters and the bank robbers could get away from police because they could afford those new cars. That was it. Yeah. It was the 1907 Hewitt uh, touring car. There you go. Well, the first car built in the U.S. with a V8. There you go. Well, 07. 
predates the 1907. Okay, let's try to get back on the rails here just a little bit. Um, Now I've completely forgotten where I was going. well, we were trying. We were defining pro-gun and anti-gun, and then I can't remember where we went That's from there. True. Okay, so uh, at this point, um, does anybody have anything that uh, you've been waiting to say that I haven't given you a, a chance to uh, to go after yet? Let's let's do that. I could bring up a quick little thing here. Yes. So, you know, as an instructor, how many folks? How many folks here have actually convinced somebody successfully that guns are good? Give me time. I'm not all the way set up yet several of me yeah yeah and, and, and that's really a great feeling when you do that when you when you see them wake or get awoke whatever that term would be even past you can just say wake up wake up there you go there we awake go. not woke awake awaken <laughs> but um you know that, that's a great that's a great awoken. feeling to have and 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 i think more recently i've done that a lot more with some of my students in class uh, I had one, I had, I'll never forget her. She said, I'm going to sit in the other room because I'm uncomfortable being around firearms. And I was like, okay. And then she heard me speak. And the first half of the class was, you know, basically why, why the gun nowhere is really just the media and, and, you know, the movies pumping all this bad information into people. And after like 10 minutes, she was like, I overheard you. Can I, can I sit in the class with you? And I was like, absolutely. In fact, I want you to sit in my class because, you know, it was her husband that was taking the class. And I said, I want you guys to learn. I don't want him to know and you not to know. So, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, that's really cool. You know, and I, I think you hit on something really important. Are you going to believe the propaganda or your lying eyes? That's the parody, right? So, and you just said, here's everything you've been told. Now we're going to put it in your hand, take it out to the range. And you tell me if this is a death dealing machine or if it's a self-defense tool. What did it feel like to you? Well, and that makes me think, and I I wish I could remember who tells this story. I think it's Charlie Cook that tells the story. But I can't remember if I heard it from Charlie or Tony Simon. I'm pretty sure Charlie tells the story. If, if If anybody can confirm, let me know. But whoever it was took, uh, this was a woman, uh, to the range, and it was the first time she'd ever fired an AR-15. And she fired it. She got done. She handed it back, and he said, well, how did that feel? And she goes, well, it wasn't bad. The the biggest thing is I thought it was going to feel evil, and it doesn't. Because in her mind... The AR-15 equated to evil, and if you owned it or liked it, you were evil. And if you shot one, it would make you that way. That's a great. I, I got a comment on that when you're. Go you ahead. I'm done. Go ahead. If you don't mind, this is this is a really interesting thing because a lot of these anti-gun folks believe that the gun causes the people to do bad things. Mm-hmm. This is a really kind of yep. a deranged a deranged way of thinking, but they, they, you know, that's why they use the term gun violence. You know, they, they want to associate the violence with the gun and they want to animate the gun. So people who don't know any better actually think that if you, if, if you have the gun in your hand, you're going to be more inclined to do something bad with it. And it's the biggest 
lie of them all. And that's, and that's the problem when they don't know. But when they go to the range, like you were saying, John, it changes that because they realize that, that that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, it, it, well, and I mean, it's human nature to fear things we don't understand, right? That's the definition of anxiety, fear of the unknown. And so once somebody has a chance to get familiar with the firearm, whether it's pistol, rifle, whatever, and it takes the mystery, it takes the unknown and makes it known, and it, it sheds light where clear, uh, previously they were in the dark, then, yeah, it, it answers a lot of questions they didn't even know they had. And, and you're right. Then they see that this is a tool. This is a, a thing. It's it's not, you know, it doesn't have the, the, the evil spirit of Rasputin in it or something like that, that that's going to, you know, affect me in some negative way. It's and then, yeah, they they learn that guns don't make people commit crimes. Uh, they don't make people bad or make them criminals. It's that bad people use guns to commit crimes. And then we can have the conversation of. Okay, so if people are going to misuse this thing, what is the best way to counter those people? It's people who are going to use it the right way, right? But but we still need this thing in the equation because we we have to balance the power out, and and that's really what it comes down to. So, yeah, that that's really cool. And and I as an instructor, I hope I get even one student in my career who will have that that eye opening moment where where they realize that hey i thought guns were bad or they caused people to be bad but but now i see that they don't if, if i can have that one time then it'll have been worth it to to become an instructor but obviously i'm i'm gonna hope that i that i it happens more than that but again i'm in nebraska i i don't have as as uphill a battle there as what some of you do patrick i mean you're in atlanta right so I, I can imagine that you probably deal with a lot more anti-gun people in a day than I will in a year. So, yeah. um, but, uh, but, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a very great point. I like that. Um, okay. Anybody else have something that you want to throw out there? Cause we can, we can start wrapping up here before too long. There was, there was one other comment here that I wanted to see. Oh, G-Webs. G-Webs is on fire tonight. Um, we asked about the people in the middle. He says way more people that we will never reach in the middle. So closer to what Dan's saying, I think. But the folks that we do reach are worth all the effort. And wow, that, that hits it head on. Um, yeah, it's, it's again, if we can bring one person into the fold, right? If we can change one person's mind, uh, what is that person going to do? then with with that knowledge because it's not going to end there it's going to create a ripple so if i can get one person that hears this conversation tonight to just consider and i know we've kind of gone away from the the psychological aspect of you know the moral high ground but if we can get one person tonight to to realize that hey i am that middle person or or my friend my coworker, my my relative is that middle person. Maybe it's time to have a conversation and just just feel you know feel out where they are. But to tie it back into the moral high ground, just remember that no matter where they're coming from, right now, if they have if they've actually formulated an opinion, 
then they think they're right. There are a ton of people that have never thought about it enough, and that's these middle ground people. Most of them have never even thought about it that much. They don't have an opinion. They don't know what they think. They think what the news told them to think, if if anything. But most of them haven't given it more than a passing thought because right. a gun's not part of their life. And, okay, the news is nothing but people shooting people up. Well, I, I can understand why, you know, we might be better off without having any because I don't have one. I don't care about them. Uh, if I don't have one and I don't care about it, I don't really care if they get taken away. Right. I don't really have a dog in that fight. Um, and I think that's where most of the people in the middle really, really are is, uh, it's it's a combination of ignorance, apathy, and just, um, just lack of, lack of it being a, a, a fixture in their life, I think is a lot of it too. If the media portrayed gun ownership and self-defense in a different light, like Stephen Williford, for instance, or mm -hmm. uh, the McCluskeys, or even Kyle Rittenhouse, if now if they, the, it's all in the way they position that stuff and they and they present it to you or they feed it to you. Um, if they did pro-gun self-defense in a positive light, all those people would gravitate toward that belief. And that's the difference. That's why I always say the narrative around anything in this country is the most important thing. If we can change the narrative, we've, we, we can change the minds. And we want to do it in an honest way. We want to give the truth and we want to show them honesty about gun ownership. Whereas, you know, the, the left wing media is always demonizing guns um, mm -hmm. to fit the agenda. So. But, but that's the whole thing. If, if the narrative were accurate, true, and honest, people would think differently. Yes, but uh, I respectfully submit that if your aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle. If that were the case, you're right, that would be true. But let's come well, back okay. to reality. Okay. The, that's, that's not the, the case. It's right. never yeah, going to no, be right, the case. You're right. You're right. John, um, who has more viewers, Joe Rogan or CNN? I have heard this one. I believe Joe Rogan by a lot. But CNN is an all-time low for viewers. By not even close. Yeah. Yes, Joe Rogan. So, okay, now that I've given you what you asked for, what are you going to do now? Okay, but the, <laughs> right? The, uh, the thing about CNN is they're, they're, they can do bad all by themselves. They're, they don't need anybody's help taking them down. They're, they're uh, right. rotting from within right now. And I think that more than anything is changing people's opinion of the network but be that as it may um it's not just cnn i mean cnn folds don lemon's gonna have a show on right. on cnbc or msnbc tomorrow uh the view is still out there i mean we've got we've got these loud voices still so the the mainstream media still even without even without uh, the corrupt news network uh we still haven't won. We maybe have won a battle, but we're far from winning the war with, with changing the narrative. Um, is it doable? Uh, sometimes I wonder. Um, is it worth fighting the fight? Of course, but but I think that fighting the fight to to keep the the narrative true is no different than fighting the fight to stay free. Um, it's it's you know. We have to stay vigilant. We have to keep it up. We can't ever slack off. Uh, if if we back off a little bit, 
like a lot of people did 2017, 2018, um, didn't keep that pressure on. And then look what happened in midterm elections. We thought, oh, we've got Trump in the White House. And I, I say we collectively, not necessarily everybody on the panel and not even necessarily me, but gun owners in general kind of took a collective sigh of relief and then uh, sales slumped. You know, everybody kind of thought, oh, Hillary's not president. We're good to go. Uh, turned out that wasn't the case. And then Congress went from, uh, you know, Republican to Democrat. And, you know, we're in the boat that we're in right now. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's we, we see what happens when we take our foot off the gas. We, we've got to stay pushing. We've got to stay vigilant. We've got to keep our voices heard. Um, those of us that are in, on this panel tonight, I mean, I'm preaching to the converted. Every one of us does that. So, you know, kudos to us, I guess. But, but that's just it. If, if, we can, if we can keep the conversations going, if we can uh, spark people to, to think about something they've never thought about before, then that's that's my always my goal here that's what i always want to accomplish um and there's something else i thought about a little while ago that uh, i've said many many times but when we're having these conversations uh, i know a lot of people on the pro-gun side don't want to get into this conversation a, a lot of people don't live for the the debate and the argument the way that i do and so, and I get it, that's fine. Not everybody should be like me. This would be a, not a, a great world if everybody was like me. But when, when that time comes, um, you know, some people are afraid to have the conversation because they don't know for sure what they believe or they don't know for sure why they believe it. And, and even people on the pro-gun side have some of the characteristics of the, of the, the middle ground people, right? who've never thought about it or, or don't know for sure what they think, well, you need to know where you're coming from as well as worrying about where the other side is coming from. You've got to be firmly rooted in your beliefs and you've got to know why you, you believe the things that you believe because it's healthy for somebody to come along and challenge that. Because the only two things can happen. One thing that can happen is that if somebody challenges my beliefs and, and I cannot successfully defend my beliefs, I realize that I'm not as deeply rooted in those beliefs as I thought I was. Maybe they've, they've brought something to light that I've never considered. Maybe I'll change my opinion. Maybe I'll change my stance. That is okay if that's what happens to me because at least I'll know why I did and, and I'll know more about where I'm coming from. The other thing that can happen is I will not change my beliefs, that I will be able to express why it is that I feel the way that I feel and think the way that I think, and it will only strengthen my beliefs. Because having your opinions challenged and your beliefs challenged will only either change your mind or make you even more set in, in your ways. These are the only two things that can happen. Both are healthy. <clears throat> and, and having your, your beliefs challenged, is there's, there's no bad can come of it. But if you have decided that you are going to play on this team, but you're not exactly sure um, of yourself, a lot of people are worried that their mind is going to get changed oh, on both sides. 
A lot of people won't have the discussion because they're afraid you might change their mind and then they don't know who they are. There's another piece to that. And a lot of times people are afraid to have the conversation because it, 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 it often ends up in statistics and, and laws and, and, and stuff that we don't always have in, in our, in our head. We don't yeah. always know all the data. So, and, and, and it's hard because, and this conversation is so complex and we could be talking about everything from background checks to red flag laws to, mm-hmm. to you name it. It's a complex topic. Mm-hmm. And if we don't know all the data and all the information of all the points, it's hard sometimes to have that conversation. But what happens is when the anti-gunners argue, they do have statistics and, and stats and thing, uh, information. It's not necessarily true because it's usually studies that were funded by Bloomberg mm-hmm. and, and, and posted in the Huffington Post and fact-checked by Snopes. So it's usually a bunch of nonsense, but at least they have the data. And so they, they present that data in the conversation. And sometimes as gun owners, we don't have countering data. So it, it's, it, it's uncomfortable sometimes to have those conversations. That's, I think that's part of the reason. I could be wrong. No, that, that's, a, that's a very great point. And, and that's just it, though. Statistics can be made to say whatever we want them to say, right? right? 98% of all statistics are made up on the spot at least 64% of the time. And 68% of those statistics can be made to say whatever you want to 89% of the time. So, <laughs> yes, I made all those numbers up for those of you out there wondering. That's my point. Um, so, but it, but you're right. I mean, sometimes we don't have the, sometimes we don't have all the the arrows in our quiver, right, to shoot down some of these, some of these arguments. Um, but you know what? Here's the unless you're Rob Morse. Unless, unless you're Rob, you're Rob Morse. Right. That's true. Uh, Rob, Rob, Rob's usually got the data. That's that's the guy we go to. And, and if he doesn't have it in his head, he knows which article he just wrote three hours ago right. to, to pull up because there were six of them in the same five-minute span three hours ago. How many articles have you written since we went live tonight? Eight? <laughs> Rob cranks out articles just all the time. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Um, no, but, but to be completely honest... Um, you're not always going to have all the arrows in the quiver that you need, right? So, so what do we do in 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 that instance? We can uh, we can shut down the conversation. I don't think that's the healthy uh, a healthy answer, but but that's an option you have. Oh, I I gotta go. I got a thing. Um, <laughs> you can make things up. I don't think that's healthy either, or the right way. Um, you know, if, if you want to have an honest and open conversation, sometimes we've got to be honest about the fact that, look, I, I'm, I'm not an expert. I don't have all the answers. I, I honestly don't know what to tell you there. Um, but you know what? I know some great websites where we can do some research. Let's, let's take a look if we've got time or, uh, if we don't have time, you know what? I, I can, I can do some research and, and, you know, send you send you some links to some stuff that, that might help answer some of that but it's okay to not be an expert and not know everything because uh i tend to try to act like a know-it-all sometimes and i know sometimes that 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 turns people away um turns people off to wanting to talk to me because i mean i've got an answer for everything and it, anybody that's talked to me very long knows i'm not that smart so if i've got an answer for everything it's probably because i'm making stuff up so um it's but okay only 34% of the time. Right. <laughs> exactly. 
um, no, that that's <laughs> that's just we're we're gonna run into those times. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to change your mind too. Uh, you may have have grown up thinking one thing and, and thought that thing for 40 years of your life and then one day realize that you know what i was wrong uh i think it takes a mighty big person a uh, mighty big character to to admit that hey i've been wrong my whole life uh i actually i can see now that that this is what's true um it's it's hard to admit sometimes um, especially for somebody that's, you know, that's, that's, uh, very proud of, of who they are and where they come from. So that's, that's true on both sides. We, we need to understand that the, the anti-gunner crowd, they're just as human as we are, right? So they make mistakes. They don't always know everything either. Uh, they're human beings. They have feelings. They have families. They care as much about their children as you do about yours. Uh, they just look at you and see somebody who doesn't care as much about their children as you do about your guns. And, and that's where we kind of want to change their minds a little bit. But, um, yeah, we need to, we need to, we need to learn how to talk to people. Um, we, we've several people tonight have mentioned, you know, having the conversation with somebody that just wants to scream and, and yell and, uh, you know, doesn't want to listen to you. Um, yeah, we don't want to talk to that person, right? All they're going to do is just scream about how guns kill kids and, and, uh, you know, that, that you're, you're, uh, you're a murderer. Blood is on your hands. Yeah. I wouldn't want to have conversations with that person either. That's normal. That's natural, right? It's okay to, to not want to talk to that person. So by the same token, remember that you shouting, uh, shall not be infringed does absolutely nothing for that person. They don't care. They read that amendment too. They they they've read the words. They don't care, uh, especially if they or someone they know has has lost a family member or a close friend to a bullet. I mean, they doubly don't care about your rights, your freedoms. They care that their friend, their loved one, got killed by a bullet. It was a gun that did it, or it was somebody that did it with a gun. Either way, so try to keep that in mind that. Uh, you know, you're you're not just talking to uh, an evil anti-gun person. Um, yeah, we think that we we are morally correct. We think that that we come from a place of logic and fact and and even love, right? Those of us that carry uh, carry daily. I mean, love for for our own well-being, our families. We want to make sure we get home to our families, or if they're with us. We want to make sure that that they survive at a you know a bad encounter, but uh, not everybody else will will see it like that. So you just try to try to remember that that uh, a little compassion goes goes a long ways, and and just trying to understand where they're coming from. Um, it won't take long to decide whether or not there's somebody you can talk to. If they're not, don't feel bad about not talking to them. That's fine. We we're we're not. We're not talking here tonight about trying to change the mind of the the lady who's on the news with you know at the protest because it's always the most extreme, outrageous people that make the news, right? Or if it's an anti-gun rally, then it's Amanda making the news when she's across the street from them with a sign. So right there you go. <laughs> 
but that's just it uh she got on the news because it was an anti-gun rally and she was there with a sign that was pro-gun and the news noticed her right because she she stuck out like a sore thumb at that rally and that's that's the same thing that happens at a pro-gun rally it's always going to be the the moms demand action people that that show up that make the news too uh so i found it interesting omaha local news station covered the uh the testimony the the hearing last week and uh they had one person that they showed in their news clip they showed parts of one testimony for the bill and it wasn't even john lott which i would have thought if if you're going to show somebody's testimony let's put the the smart guy up there but no they put my face up there but then they showed three people testifying against the bill two of them were with with uh, Omaha PD and one was the Lincoln police chief. Uh so even the news here in 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 Nebraska, I mean three people testifying against versus one testifying for and there were many many good testimonies that that made great points. Uh they there was a I don't know exactly what country he didn't say which country he uh immigrated from, but there was a guy that was probably 50 years old, roughly 45 50 um who grew up in a a central american country that was torn by civil war so without remembering my history that well i mean i know a lot of countries in central america back in those days were were kind of war-torn but he grew up in a place where um literally violence right outside your doorstep was was a way of life and and the population was disarmed right the the common people didn't have guns so uh, that's why he values his freedom so much now that that he's is an American. And uh, yeah, the news didn't put that testimony up, did they? So I don't know. I just find it interesting that uh, going back to that, that mainstream media narrative. Um, yeah, I mean, people heard heard me say, you know, make one point and they heard three different police officers make points against the bill. So I don't know. I sometimes I wonder even in Nebraska that uh, we're not as pro gun as what people outside our state think we are. So um all righty. So Defense Dad, have we missed any other questions or comments out there? Uh not that I can really see but I don't think any of it really uh, pertains too much. Yeah, I've been keeping an eye on it. G-Webs has a good ones, and some, but I, I think, yeah, I think we covered most of them. Okay. All righty. Yeah, Vash Matrix says, uh, pretty sure the largest school massacre happened in Japan where there's no guns and you only needed a match. So, yeah, guns aren't the only way to to uh, kill a lot of people in a short amount of time. Sometimes SUVs charge into parades and kill people, too. Um, so do blunt objects. More than AR-15s, yeah. unfortunately, but well, but but we all saw know. the headlines about how an SUV killed thirty people in Waukesha not long ago, Christmas parade. Right. So no, you don't have to have a background check SUV, to buy a vehicle. Those. No, you don't have to be twenty-one to buy a vehicle. You know, no waiting period no. on a car. No, you don't. There's uh, no minimum age to buy a car. Actually, there is to drive there's it. There's no minimum age to, to own no. or possess a car, and no, no minimum age to drive it unless you're on a public right of way. So if you're on private property, you don't need a driver's license. You can drive the car at age five. It's fine if you can afford it. Um, you're right. You can reach the pedals. If you can reach the pedals. Yes. So, or you can be, what was Indiana Jones? Just tie a block of wood to your foot and and uh, there you go. So 
short round, I think was his name. Um, for you young kids, Indiana Jones was a, a great set of movies. <laughs> you should go back and watch them. Um, you know what? I think we're going to call it a night. We've got a little over an hour and a half. We're going to kind of wrap things up a little bit here. Uh, so let's just go back through. I'll give all of you a chance to uh, wrap up with any final thoughts, and then uh, we'll give you a chance to uh, let people know where to find you. So uh, we'll just kind of go back here in reverse order. Travis, we'll start with you. Closing thoughts. Where can people find you? Yeah, just no. I think it was a great discussion this evening, and, and like I said, reach out to those people that uh, that that maybe consider middle of the road because you never know. There's a good chance that you can convince them. Um, as for me, you can just follow me over on YouTube. My channel is Travis P11, and I got a podcast we do Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time called Caliber Corner. So make sure you check it out. We talk guns and ammo. Otherwise, I'm Travis P11 on Twitter, Instagram, you know, GunStreamer, GunTube.org. Facebook everywhere. So that's pretty much where you can find me. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Be sure and check out caliber corner. You guys talk about some really cool stuff. And if you, uh, if you're just getting into guns, um, there's some great, great videos on Travis's channel about, uh, just about every gun. And, uh, if, if there's a specific gun, if Travis has had a chance to get his hand on it, you want to know how to uh, take it apart and clean it. There's a video out there on it. So, so, uh, so go check out Travis's stuff. All right, let's move over to Pat over there in the bunker. Uh, any closing thoughts? And then where can people find you? Uh, everybody can find me at uh, Pat Hirsch on YouTube. Uh, I don't Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. So uh, I got some videos on some unboxing stuff from Monstrum Tactical, uh, upgrading the old AR-15 a little bit upgrading not completely doing a diabolical thing to it youtube so please don't shut me down um <laughs> but anyway uh my final thoughts uh would be this to anybody that is listening out there that is on the fence on the teeter-totter or what have you i'll leave you with a little story if you are sitting there and somebody's trying to break into your house and you hustle all your kids and everybody upstairs or wherever into a closet and you're on the phone with the cops and they're more than five ten minutes away and they're and the bad guys are trying to break in and this is the part that really gets me and i, I totally ripped this off from somebody else but it it, it needs repeating and your kid looks up at you and says, Daddy, are the cops coming? Yes, son. But they're going to be a little while. And that same kid looks at you and says, Well, is there anything you can do, Dad? No, son. Sorry. I don't have anything to defend ourselves with. That right there should be enough to put something in your head. Nope. I Sorry agree. All righty. Nope. Very, very, very good point. Uh, what do we always say? When seconds count, the police are minutes away. And in, in rural parts of the world, police are half hour away or, or more sometimes. So, and that depends on if they're busy or not. I've, I've had uh, non-emergencies 
where I've, I've needed, you know, for various reasons, needed to speak to an officer. And, uh, you know, I called a non-emergency line just here in town. And I get told, well, you know, everybody's on a, you know, on a call right now, but as soon as somebody gets freeze up, we'll send them over. Well, granted, if I said somebody's breaking into my house, they may get them coming a little bit sooner. But I mean, the police are busy. You're not, you're not the only one they have to deal with. They're not standing around yep. waiting for your call either. So keep that in mind. Um, yep. All right. Dan, we'll move over to you. Closing thoughts and where can people find you? Well, first of all, it was a great point by Pat. I mean, it, it just, it kind of just wraps it all up. I mean, either you're able to defend yourself and your family or you're not. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think it's, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, as a man, as a husband, as a father, it's my responsibility to take care of my family, protect my family and my friends and the good people around me if I, if I can. And, uh, and, and I can. So I just think it's an important thing to do. So, so self-defense, top of the list for me, um, and, and understanding what happens to the people who are anti-gun. I think that's a big part of, of what we need to do. We need to try to understand them. Like I said, we can help some of them, but some of them just need to be defeated. So, um, and, and to find me and, and my book series, uh, Good Gun, Bad Guy, people can go to goodgunbadguy.com. Um, all three books are there. And uh, John, I, get get with me and, I, and give me your address and I'll make sure I get, get one in your hands. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it will force you to read it. I mean, gosh, if, if you're going to twist my arm and you want to send me one, I, yes, I, I, do. I can do that. I, I definitely do. <laughs> um, and then my, my web show is called The Loaded Mic. Uh, loaded mic, M-I-C, like microphone, loadedmic.com. Right. Well, thanks, guys. As opposed great, to great conversation. When we had people Warski on here a couple weeks ago, it's a different kind of loaded mic when he gets to drinking. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Very good and uh, and glad to have you along, Dan. You always have uh, some, some great ideas, some great thoughts to share. So uh, glad to have you along. Uh, okay, Rob, let's move over to you. Closing thoughts and where can people find you? Uh, the, the, my takeaway from this evening was you have to go where they are and we can argue that no one is in the middle. That hasn't been my experience. Um, most people, when you press them go, well, you know, I don't know. Um, okay. So is a little knowledge, a dangerous thing? I would say not, you know, you have to start you, there. There are a lot. I'm not John Lott. There are lots of things I don't know. And mm -hmm. I'm, a little bit jealous that you got to ride with him. Um, I'm going to pitch an article I just wrote called Same Fear, Different States. It's about constitutional carry and letting our neighbors go armed. Um, can I can I pitch where you can find me? Absolutely. That's, that's what that's for this time of the night. Each week I host the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. I get to co-host on the Polite Society podcast. I blog at slowfacts.wordpress.com. My writing is picked up at Ammoland, where I write the weekly Armed Citizens column. Very cool. And go check out uh, both podcasts and go check out the blog. There's some great stuff. Um, and if you are, uh, if you're on my Facebook page, uh, was it yesterday? When did I share that link? Yesterday, um, that article that you wrote. So uh, it was just well, before the testimony, wasn't it? Well, you wrote that one, but you just sent me one yesterday that, that 
came out too. The, what, what was the one you just mentioned? The different states, same fear? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I, I've basically got uh, con constitutional carry in each state down to a spreadsheet. It will save 1,600 lives per year. Okay. So it's awesome. So, so yeah, that was, yeah, before my testimony, when I, which, uh, full disclosure, I, I didn't use any, anybody's numbers in my testimony after I asked them for them. But um, I also found out I only had three minutes and I didn't get to all of it. So uh, um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was talking to Rob before before the hearing got here. And uh, yeah, you even told me um, as far as uh, what car accidents and how much safer um, Nebraskans would be how many more lives would be saved in Nebraska with constitutional carry versus uh, outlying cars? I think it was. Is that no, what no, you it, um, it was um, the number of lives saved in Nebraska with constitutional carry is about two and a third times the total number of Nebraskans who lose their lives on our highways. Okay, gotcha. We work hard to make the roads safer. Wow, we could save many times that if we let people save themselves. Yeah. Yeah, and if I had had more time in my testimony, I would have uh, put that number in because I think that speaks volumes. However, uh, I have not yet emailed any of the senators on the uh, the committee, and that's going to that's going to go in there. So, um, I think you sent me links, didn't you, to to actually back those. Uh, back those words up and with the sources it's just go to slow facts you'll find it there i'll get it i'll get it because I, I i don't want to to be speaking empty words i want them to be able to look up and and check the math there but that's amazing that that's a huge number right there um so thanks for thanks for all your help and i will be uh definitely hitting you up in the future when the time comes so all right uh patrick you are up let's uh let's go to you closing thoughts and then where can people find you all right. All right. Well, a few things here. Um, so, you know, we hate to admit this, but guns are not for everybody, mm -hmm. but don't get in our way. Okay. It's very important uh, in society to have them there. Uh, you, you call somebody when you need some, when you need them, or at least a bigger force, AKA police officers or someone with a firearm or even someone with just big burly muscles to protect you. So just realize that if they're not for you, don't get in the way of those that they are for, uh, which includes all of us and probably most of your listeners as well. Sure. Um, secondly, um, you know, evil is an action, not an object. Okay. Those are the very key things there is that not everybody has good intent with what they do. Um, you know, not everybody's going to go home that night. You know, it's a scary thought to think of, but we are, we are expendable. We are human beings. Eventually we have an expiration date uh, and we don't want to see that expiration date prematurely. Uh, for those of us that believe that we uh, have the right to carry, in which all of us do have the right to carry and to defend ourselves one day, hopefully not, because none of us want to be able, none of us want to use our firearms for defensive use. But if that day comes, we want to be as prepared as possible to use it. Um, and lastly, you can find me on all the social medias. I am in as Patrick Collins on Facebook, uh, the Gun Food 
uh, actually the gun foodie on uh, Instagram, uh, the gun, sorry, the gun foodie on uh, YouTube. I do produce videos as well, um, but more so on the speaking side and uh, teaching side. And I have some fun little tidbits on my personal life on there too. Um, and I'm just your average normal citizen that happens to possess a firearm. And you teach others how, to, teach uh, others. how, to, I, how to responsibly wield theirs. Exactly. I, I do a few other things on the side, but, you know, right. I'm a friendly and nice-going person. Like long I can vouch for that. <laughs> He's a good guy. I'm a good guy. <laughs> all right. Patrick, thanks for being here. And uh, I'll tell you, just like I've told all these other gentlemen here, uh, you are welcome back anytime. So, Excellent. All right, uh, Shane, let's move over to you. Uh, any closing thoughts from you? Oh, not really. I think I pretty much ran my mouth and <laughs> enough tonight, but uh, I think it was a good discussion. Um, yeah, just just if you know people and they're willing to hear, hear you out, talk to them. Uh, as far as where people can find me, if you want to watch content, it's pretty much YouTube, although I'm on Odyssey and yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, or if you want to see some of the nerdy photography stuff, I have some Instagram stuff, but that's about it. All righty. Well, thanks for being here. Always glad to have my fully semi-official co-host along for the ride. And uh, yeah, as we go and and uh, and Defense Dad gets uh, some more practice with uh, fielding the comments and throwing them up on the screen, I'm going to kind of turn the reins on that part of things over to, to him a little bit more so that I can concentrate on running my mouth. Because uh, if I'm reading comments, I'm not listening to what you're saying, or if I'm typing in the in the chat that I'm I'm not listening and I'm not talking. I can do one thing at a time. That's that's what I'm saying. That's why uh, out there in the chat is uh, you may have uh, you may have noticed uh, Sandhill Sweetheart is out there, which I didn't mention. My beautiful bride is in the producer's chair over here, but she's she's here too, holding it down in the chat. Because I always say she does the typing and I do the talking, and uh, we both. We both work on what we're good at that way. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think most of you got greeted out there in the chat tonight by Sandhill Sweetheart. So, And I think she probably has been uh, keeping track of who was out there in the chat as well. So we're going to do the list real quick and just thank everybody for being here. Uh, if you're watching and you're not commenting, then we don't know you're out there and we cannot uh, say your name. And, and thank you for being here. So if you want to meet, uh, remain anonymous, I get it. Don't comment. But uh, otherwise, uh, we, we want to know that you're here. So tonight we had uh, DJ Play Nice, Pat Hirsch, Mark Gilbert, who uh, I think is here for the first time. I don't remember seeing that name before. Uh, Gun Websites, Defense Dad, Travis P11, Calaveras 32 Special, Vanessa Kitty, The Gun Foodie, Tacos and French Fries, Guns and Barbecue, Blitz, Jeff Collins, who I don't think I've seen that name yet come through, uh, Tara Smith's Kitchen, and Vash Matrix. So those of you that are used to being in the chat, uh, glad to have you here. Those of you that are new, we uh, we appreciate you being here, and we hope that you enjoyed yourself, and you'll share this and come back uh, for, uh, for many, many more weeks to come. I just got to mention, we had tacos and french fries, guns and barbecue, and Tara Smith's Kitchen. Aside from making me hungry, and I just ate before we started this, uh, you three should think about making some collaboration videos. Because can you imagine tacos and French fries, guns and barbecue, and Tara Smith's kitchen? I mean, that would be 
That'd be a video. And the gun foodie, I think, should be in with that, too. So I'll tabletop <laughs> review all that food. Just go ahead and send some my way. I will make an in-house visit if you want me to, and we'll do a, we'll do a review right there. So, yeah. All right. Hey, I'll, I'll second that notion. G-Man, hey, Nebraska becoming the 22nd constitutional carry state. There may be other states that get it pushed through before we do, even if this uh, – even if this gets passed and signed by the governor, which our governor has said, if the uh, if the legislature will pass it and send it to him, he will sign it. Um, that's not a problem. But uh, it takes uh, three months from the end of the session, which is in April. So we're looking at about July 15th at the very soonest before uh, constitu- constitutional carry would take effect. Um because I, I can't see anybody being okay with fast tracking this to where it's it takes effect as soon as it's signed. Sometimes emergency bills get you know that added, but that's how about, that's how about July Fourth? How about the Fourth of July? That'd be a great shopping cool, weekend for Fox. Would that be cool? You know, that would be amazing. I'd go out and buy a gun if it happened on that date. On you know, well, <laughs> I, that I would definitely be a poetic justice right there. Oh. I think you should go buy a gun on on July fourth, anyway. So oh, I just bought one yesterday. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, we have a latecomer. Aaron C is out there in the <laughs> chat too. So uh, Aaron is uh, is is well. You and Sandhill Sweetheart are going to get along really well. Um, maybe you're going to fight over the pizza though because you both eat the same kind. So okay, before this turns into an actual food chat, we're going to uh, wrap things up. So thank you all of you for being here. Please, again, I can't stress this enough. Uh, share this this uh this episode tonight this conversation with anybody and everybody that you think should uh should watch or should listen uh you can go find us on in audio form this will uh, this episode will be up next week a week from today uh at 5 p.m central time is when that drops but it's going to be pretty much any place that is uh that's well known where you can find podcasts so apple and google and uh i think pandora now has us iHeartRadio and TuneIn and Spotify and uh, Stitcher and all those. But if if you if if lots of people use it for podcasts, you can probably find us there. Either search Sandhills Defense or search the Get Off My Lawn podcast. And no, it's not that one with that uh, Proud Boys guy. It's 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 the one with me. So uh, I get I still get trolls every now and then mad because they they started watching us and. And there's no Gavin McGinnis here, and somehow I've I've stolen his name or his show or something. I don't know. Uh, I didn't know who he was when I named this, but uh, they don't believe me, so I don't care. Uh, if uh, if we get well known enough that he actually knows who we are and tells me to switch the name, then uh, that's still a win, even if I have to change the name of the podcast because Gavin McGinnis knows who we are. So I'm not worried yet. Anyway, on behalf of Travis and Pat and Dan. Rob, Patrick, uh, Defense Dad, Sandhill Sweetheart, and myself. Thank you all for joining us tonight, for watching, for sharing. Uh, go ahead and like the uh, the Facebook page. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we've got Patreon, and we've got some merchandise. Uh, if you check the uh, description of this video, you'll see those links, so you can go check that out as well. And, uh, uh, yeah, just... Just think a little bit. Go have some conversations. Uh, rehash this one. And uh, let us know what you think. Even if you're catching this after the fact, uh, hit those comments. I want to know what you think about any part of the show tonight. So go ahead and sound off. Uh, all opinions are all opinions are welcome. Um, 
but uh, I, I might not agree with all of them. But anyway, thanks all of you. Uh, God bless you. Have a great night. We love you. But it's that time. You guys got to go. Get off my lawn. Stay safe, Terry.